Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we look at Portugal, one of the most westerly countries in Europe, on the Atlantic coast. Quite a small country, but despite its small size, there's a lot of varied uh, wine styles in Portugal. And that's partly because there are 250 different indigenous grape varieties in Portugal. And that means there are more indigenous varieties in Portugal per, per square kilometre than any other country in the world. And it's estimated there are about two and a half indigenous varieties per square kilometre. Compare that to Italy, another country with lots of indigenous varieties, where there's about one indigenous variety per square kilometre. So lots of variety there, and that really makes Portuguese wine stand out. And it's a big selling point for Portugal as it tries to compete on the world stage. Lots of grape varieties unique to the country that are planted nowhere else. Also, its climate is quite varied. On the coast it's Atlantic, and so it's a maritime climate and it's very wet. As soon as you go inland, it becomes warm continental, and so it's very hot with uh, lots of variation between day and night and summer and winter. So different styles produced because of the different climates. Portugal's uh, quite a poor country and has been so for a long time. It's known mostly for its port in terms of wine, and that has dominated perceptions of the country. And Dry still wine has been made for a long time, but traditionally these were reds which were quite basic and rustic for local consumption only. So it's only since the 1980s and 90s that Portugal has emerged with wine good enough for the international scene. And that's because with the collapse of the fascist dictatorship in the 1970s and then entry into the EU in 1986, there's been lots of investment into Portugal and the quality of wine has increased dramatically. Portugal is now much more easier to access. Some of the rural areas were very difficult to get to. That transport enables the wines to be exported. also means more uh, modern technology can be introduced into the areas. So there's been a huge improvement in the vineyard and in the winery as well. So Portuguese wine now is extremely interesting and much higher quality than it's ever been before. What we're going to do is look at the different regions of Portugal and look at the different grape varieties grown in those regions, which makes them quite distinct. So we'll go from north to south and we'll start with Vinho Verde. And this is on the Atlantic coast, just on the Spanish border with Rioche Baixas in Galicia, producing similar styles of wine. And this is a cool, wet region, lots of rain coming in from the Atlantic Ocean. And the city of Porto, which is just south of Vinho Verde, is one of the wettest in Europe. Vinho Verde itself is about 130 kilometers long. There's 59,000 hectares of plantings here, but lots of small holdings by farmers who, who are growing grapes basically in their back garden and then selling them either to wineries or to co-ops. The vines are usually trained with the pergola system, so very high training system, and that's because of the wet weather trying to stop the rot or any diseases developing from the, the rain that's coming in. So the wines, because of those cooler conditions, are quite light-bodied and lower in alcohol. It can be 8 to 10 percent, though the ones that are exported are usually a little bit higher and a little more concentrated around the 11 percent mark. And there's usually a bit of spritz as well, a bit of carbon dioxide left after fermentation to make them extra refreshing. Vinho Verde cannot be more than 11.5 percent in alcohol, so it's always going to be quite low. One of the main grape varieties in Vinho Verde is Lurero, and this means laurel-scented, and it literally does smell of laurels. So it's quite an aromatic grape variety, and it grows best near the coast, gets more aromatic structure. 
6,000 hectares of the grape planted, and it's often blended with Trajadora, which in Spain is Trajadora, another aromatic grape with apples and pears, though with less acidity, so just bringing the acidity down so it's not too sharp. Another really important grape variety in Vino Verde is Alvarino, and this is the same grape as Alvarino in Rioche Baixas. And this is the highest quality, and this is the, the first white grape variety from Portugal to be varietally labelled and so internationally recognisable. It has thick skin, so it resists the, uh, the rain, so it doesn't develop rot, and it's higher in alcohol than the other Vino Verde grape varieties, and also with high acidity and quite aromatic. So the wines are fuller bodied. Typically, um, it's going to be 12% or more in alcohol. And when it's on the label, it will be from Monsau, which is a sub-region of Vigno Verde. So Vigno Verde itself cannot be varietally labelled, and Alvarino is the one exception coming from the Monsau uh, Dio. And these are the best wines of the Vigno Verde, but also the least typical, because they are higher in alcohol and fuller in body. Within Vigno Verde, there's also red wine made, which um, is not especially drinkable. It's extremely tannic, and it's one of the few red wines of the world which does not go through malolactic fermentation. So that malolactic fermentation softens the red wine, but here you don't get that softening sensation, which makes that tannic uh, structure even more apparent. You don't see those too often. Going south, southeast of Vigno Verde to Dao. And this is where some of the best red wines of Portugal are made. And this is a valley surrounded by uh, three mountain ranges, and one of the mountain ranges protects Dao from the Atlantic Ocean. Um, so it's much drier and warmer than Vinho Verde, even though it's next to it. 80% of the wines are red, and here you've got really hot summers, but cool winters. Rainfall is in the winter, very dry summers. From the 1940s onwards, quality here was very low, and that's because of government intervention by the fascist dictatorship. The fascist dictator Salazar was a big fan of wine, so he decided to intervene and created a very laborious system which prevented quality, and it's all based around co-ops and government funding. And so the wines of the Dow were not very good. But since the Portugal has joined the EU, uh, the wine has got better and better, and as I said, some of the best red wines of Portugal. Torriga Nacional, which is arguably Portugal's highest quality red grape, should be 20% of the blend, or whether that is always the case or not is a moot point. So Torriga Nacional, quite floral, perfumed, aromatic, high tannins, high acidity, really high quality and age-worthy, however yields are low, which makes it difficult for growers who want to sell Torriga Nacional, and that's why that 20% mark may not always be met. Blended with Tintoro Riche, which is Tempranillo in Spain, so the same qualities, red fruits, strawberries. Jayen, which is the same as Mentia in Spain, so again those red fruits, light-bodied, nice tannic structure. And also Alfrochero Preto, which is an aromatic grape, spicy and smooth. And so these blends really bring different things together in Dao. Quite tannic and very age-worthy. What you get with Portuguese wine in general, but especially with Dao, is really dusty tannins and really dry. Some white wine made in Dao, and the best grape for white wine in Dao is Encruzado. And this is a full-bodied white wine, and this will have really nice texture and a bit of ageability, and oak may be used for these wines, well worth looking out for. Going back towards the coast, we have Barbarada. And this is an historic region. Their wines were drunk by the British in the 1700s, really deep-coloured and tannic. But Marques de Pombal was um, a Portuguese official who demarcated the Douro. He was from the Douro, and so he wanted to protect that region. And he actually banned wine being made in Barada, and he ordered the wine vines to be uprooted. And that really hurt the industry there, as you can imagine. And it's only now recovering, 300 years later.
70% of the wine in Bayrada is red, mostly Baga, and this is a grape, which literally means berry, and it's very small um, berries and thick skins, high yields, resistant to powdery mildew, but it is later ripening, which means uh, rot can be an issue because we're near the coast here, so rain does come in. The trouble with Baga, because it's late ripening, that rot, that rain, can really be an issue. And it cannot be picked too young, because it's not very pleasant when picked young. So the tannins are so high and the acidity is so high, you'll get an undrinkable wine. So it has to be picked late when it's fully ripe. Um, just worrying about that rot as you wait for those grapes to get ripe. The wines it produces are really dark. As I said, high in acidity, high in tannin, extremely age-worthy. I've tasted 20-year-old Bagger, which is extremely still, still extremely tannic. Uh, but still fruity as well with really dark fruits. And there's over 10,000 hectares of bagger planted mainly in Bayrada and a lot of it is used for rosé. Not forgetting that Portuguese wine in the 70s and 80s was known mostly for rosé from Mateus and Lancers. So uh, quite sweet rosé, it's very easy drinking, very popular. And so those two big producers sourced the grapes from all over. Going um, inland again to the Douro, and this is the most famous region in Portugal because this is where port is made, and 50% of the grapes grown here do go to port. But the quality and the quantity of red wine being made in the Douro has increased greatly, and there's some very good wines being made here. It's inland, so it's a continental clim climate and very warm, gets hot during the summer, so it produces full-bodied red wines. The Douro was cl first classified in 1756, as I mentioned, by um, Pombal, and the borders are more or less the same as he designated back in 1756, and it's schist soils surrounded by granite. Mainly the red wines being made in the Douro are from Baixo Corgo, which is the area less suitable for produ port production, and so the grapes here go towards red wine. But they are similar to port, young styles of port, rich, spicy and tannic, and as I said, quite high quality. Going uh, south, and south of Barada, we have Tejo, and this is a fertile area of Portugal. Alluvial soils means high yields and very large amounts of production. Quality is not necessarily that high, but quantity is. And then going further south towards Lisbon, we have the Peninsula de Setubal, and this is one of the most famous wines of Portugal, historically, Moscatel de Setubal, and this is a fortified wine that's sweet, not you don't see too much of it these days, but it is high quality and interesting. And then another area within Peninsula de Setubal is Palmela, and this again historically is extremely important. And this is divided into two areas: the limestone hills around Serra do Arabida, and then the sand, sandy soils in the plains of the east, which are much more interesting, producing really high quality wines. And the grape here is Castelao. Uh, which is also known as periquita, which means little parrot. And Castelao has red fruit, fruit aromas, game and earth, and it's rather like Grenache. And the wines of Palmela are where Castelao really uh, thrives at its best. But unfortunately, uh, the suburbs of Lisbon are in encroaching on Palmela, which means you don't see as much of it as one would like, as the vines are replaced by golf courses and houses, unfortunately. And then finally, we go inland to Alentejo. And this is an area on the Spanish border, really hot, arid, not particularly suited to grape growing, but there's some really good wine being made here. Historically, it's very disconnected from the rest of Portugal. Rural conditions, and the wine was just made for local consumptions, and these would be big, rustic reds, which would not be drunk anywhere else. But the quality has improved greatly because of inward investment and um, technology improvement. And so, because it's not 
ideal for grape growing, the technology really does help. Irrigation is necessary here, so one of the few areas of Europe where irrigation is widely practiced. And this um, just allows the grapes to actually ripen, so the conditions wouldn't, would be too dry otherwise. And this is mainly red wine. Aragonese is extremely important. This is the local word for Tempranillo. Trincadera is another local grape which is important here across southern Portugal because it needs a dry climate, so it's particularly suited to Alentejo's dry, warm climate. 13,000 hectares of this grape variety planted, and it's deep coloured and spicy. And then Castelao is also planted here with some Syrah as well, some international grape varieties uh, planted in Alentejo. This does divide opinion. Some people think that Portugal should stick to its indigenous varieties as its unique selling point, but others think the international varieties kind of draw attention to Portuguese wine and add some important qualities as well. And Alentejo also has the wider region of Alentejano, which um, is the IGP level in Portugal. So all the Portuguese regions have the DOC, which is the highest level, and then the IGP, which is the medium level, which allows a bit more experimentation, experimentation and plantings of different grape varieties, and maybe going beyond the traditional region. And Alentejano is probably the most important of those IGP levels of wine. So thank you for listening. If you can hear some banging in the background, that is my new puppy playing with his stick. He is never quiet and never still. So I'm Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.